Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Rich and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 Development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, so welcome to episode 83. We're, um, we're actually at TechReady this week in Seattle in the city and I've cornered Vesa of Office 365 PMP theme to do a podcast. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Nice well, to be here. Welcome back to America. <laughs> Thank you. Once again. <laughs> and uh, welcome to Americans to the Finglish as, as Vesa knows it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Rich is actually in Mexico this week at one of the Microsoft uh, cloud roadshows. And um, with Sonia, so the office is empty right now yeah. as we're out at these different events. So I figured I'd just run, run through some of the updates. One of the things that's come up is uh, this week, which is a big announcement from an extensibility perspective, and I know Rich has been talking a lot about this, is the cloud storage options for Office and having the ability with Dropbox and Box now to kind of open documents that live inside those two services but not only benefit from being able to open them in Word, PowerPoint, Excel, but also to do co-authoring as well. And that's pretty um, cool. Which is cool, right? I mean, it's a great example of showing how we're opening up the ecosystem world a bit more yeah. than we usually have too. Yeah, and it's a great chance. Well, we've been doing this change for years already, uh, but it's, it's, I'm an old-school SharePoint and a Microsoft fellow being in a company for 10 years, and yeah. this is tremendous, the change we're, what we're doing right now. Yeah, so that was a neat, neat little one. And then something near and dear to Richard's heart, which I'm going to get a podcast on, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at this, is he did some work with the Lotus F1 team. Yep. Uh, and he was traveling over for that and building some kind of scenarios that make sense for Lotus. And Jeremy Chapman, who runs the Microsoft, Microsoft Mechanics, Mechanics yeah. which used to be Office Mechanics and used to be the Office Garage, has done a video that kind of explains what's going on in that, which is pretty cool. So we'll do another podcast on that. Always good to see Formula One in something. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I know, Even though we don't have Lotus F1 team anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Renault put it. So. <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting next season for sure. True. Um, and then, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to that one. Uh, CJ went there for a, a site visit and yeah. met them and showed them a bunch of stuff. And then I think Richard went out for the next trip. But I know you're a big Formula One fan too. I am, so I am absolutely. Clearly Kimi Raikkonen fan. Kimi and, and Walteri Bottas as well. Oh, so. that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was another really good kind of little update there. And then um, the other one that came up was um, Max Knorr, K-N-O-R. Again, I'm horrible with names, but I think that's right. He's in DX, uh, uh, not specifically an office guy, but has is, is been doing a lot of web development for a long time and Visual, Visual Studio Code. And he actually put together a Visual Studio Code add-in that allows you to do a keyboard shortcut that will grab the manifest file from your uh, Visual Studio Code project that you've generated for the Yeoman generator and it'll automatically upload it to Outlook for you, that's which is really, one. really cool. Yeah, that helps um, a lot. Saves you going into the browser, manage add-ins, go and upload it. And you can also modify the manifest and, and do the keyboard shortcut and it'll upload the later, more up-to-date instance of the manifest. Yeah. So it's great to see like you know the community-led like add-in extensibility story stuff on non-Microsoft platform stuff going on, which is great. And we're going to integrate that into the Yeoman generator story too, which, oh, is, that's cool. which is cool. And I think I mentioned this last last week, excuse me, but the um, Outlook adding commands now supported by the Yeoman generator. So inside of Yeoman now, when you do Yo Office, if you pick mail add-ins, 
and you pick like Angular, you'll actually get all the adding command syntax in your manifest, which is great. That's really great. And that's going to ease up the, the, the plumbing, essentially. Yeah, so. I, there is a fair amount of XML to get those things going, yeah. so it's good to kind of have a starter blocker on, on that aspect too. True. And when you think of it, it's never about the technology and the plumbing itself. That's Even though that's interesting, but in the in the real world, we need to concentrate right. on the business scenarios. Get stuff so, done. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then on top of that, Scott Hillier has actually wrote a really good post where he's building SharePoint add-ins with Angular 2 and TypeScript. So Angular 2 is making a lot of noise right now where they're kind of in this beta phase and they're going to make it generally available. And so Scott's been kind of ramping up and polishing his skills on that. And so if you're doing anything with SharePoint add-ins and Angular, um, it's definitely worth checking out. True. Um, some of the lessons he's learned from being, I mean, he was very well versed in Angular 1 and some of the lessons he's learned by jumping from 1 to 2. So that's yeah. that's very useful from that aspect as well. And then uh, Paul Schaeflein, it's good, actually a good week of different people. We've not mentioned Scott and Paul for a while. Paul Schaeflein, um has built, he's been doing a lot of training on Office 365 development around the world and was demoing the Groups API and actually built a Groups API Explorer, which you can launch and kind of it really does show you the power of what you can get at through Groups and yeah. files and members, conversations, yeah. yeah, all through in the Microsoft Graph. Yeah. And and so that sample is really great. And um, we're going to add that to devdoffice.com. And you're actually going to integrate it into the training module for groups as well. So, again, you know, community contributions getting used by us, um, but also then being reused by anyone who else grabs that training content too. So that was a good one. And then in addition to that, uh, Steve Curran, uh, who's actually going to be up here this week for the Dev Kitchen, uh, who's with a partner. Um, he's been blogging away about SharePoint 2016 server and digging in uh, by using IL Spy yeah, and you know the old school ways old of school doing stuff. SharePoint yeah. discovery. There's no documentation for it. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, so. Yeah, so he's been doing some stuff around the remote API and he's up to part four now. So if you're interested in what's going on in that world of what's available now in SharePoint Server, it's actually a really neat way of kind of getting that accountability. True. True. Well, obviously a lot of the stuff what we're releasing in SharePoint 2016 is coming from the SharePoint Online CSM and the remote APIs and the rest of API. So we are landing that SharePoint Online API setup uh, in the in the SharePoint 2016 as well. And and so you've or been some on, of it, some of it. Let's yeah. put it this way. And so you've been on the show a few times, and uh, I think you know as well as doing an update, it was really just a reset on like what do you do? Like what <laughs> what is your mandate? Like what gets you up? What what makes sure that you get your paycheck at the end of the month? Well, my my personal agenda is is really simple. I'm an old school SharePoint server side developer. So I'm an awesome example of a guy who needs to learn the new cool kid stuff and I can't follow up on all of the greatest and greatest and whatever people are doing. You have you're using a Mac as well and I can't wouldn't be able to actually start developing using Mac. But at the same time I'm a great candidate on on Figuring out what we need to tell for the for the old school people and and the well I wouldn't say old school people I would say the typical SharePoint server side developer how can they take advantage of this new age uh, stuff which we are releasing more and more yeah and and really moving into the knowledge uh, and really moving their their skills uh, more towards the client side development the RESTful APIs or the JavaScript frameworks because that's where the future is anyway um, and where do you like you engage with a bunch of teams within within Microsoft to kind of feed feedback you get through the community through PNP. So how how does that work? Like what's your <laughs> Yeah, so I would I've I've always said this and probably I shouldn't have said it out loud, but Microsoft is the world's largest garage company. Uh, <laughs> <what to> say. <laughs> and now we got it recording. Um but 
it's a in many times that the connections and how do we evolve this stuff is based on one to one communications uh, and yes we do have official processes as well but it really comes down on on engaging with the people knowing the people having the networks and, and I've been in a company for quite a long time doing the real different kind of development stuff um, and we obviously engage with the customers uh, and one of the real I would say one of the, the strange engineering people because I work with the customers every single day. Uh, so getting that input from the customer, making sure that their gaps in the API is the remote API level, restful APIs and all of that are being addressed. And we essentially, we do have a weekly meetings with the feature crews and some of the people. And we talk through the needed gaps within the API, for example, in a SharePoint, on a SharePoint side. Uh, and now we're growing that to be on the other side as well, obviously. The, the, even though BNP samples are more about SharePoint, and I'm a SharePoint, and I, I'm a SharePoint lover, uh, but we're expanding that to other areas as well. Right, so the way we kind of spawned PNP was this need of, I'm a SharePoint server developer, we've got the add-in model now, which kind of encourages more of a, a client-side development technique, especially if you're doing SharePoint-hosted add-ins that run directly in the page as an app part or... Sure as part of the page that lives in SharePoint or um, provider-hosted add-ins, which, you know, you can do server-side ASP.NET web forms or yep. MVC, but yep. we're seeing a lot of uh, spa development in that instance as well True. with Angular and, and so forth. So you've been kind of working out what that bridge is to kind of help people to transition their skill set. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we need to remember that there's thousands or what's, what was it, one million SharePoint developers. One million. One million SharePoint developers. And yeah. that's a huge amount of people. Uh, and this, we really want to help these people to learn the new stuff in an efficient way. And at least for me, when we started up the PNP, we really started concentrating on the provider-hosted side because as a SharePoint server-side developer, you are still doing server-side. Right, it's more code. familiar. It's more familiar yeah. rather than just trying to learn the JavaScript and trying to learn whatever React and AngularJS and all of that stuff because that is a relatively it's big a, leap. It is a big leap, yeah. So moving first to the remote APIs in a provider-hosted site, running stuff in Azure or in Amazon or whatever, and then from there gradually starting moving on the client side in the direction. And and when you say remote APIs, so you're just saying not using the old SharePoint.dll's? Correct. Yes. running them inside the MVC yes. application because you need the MVC application would have to then run on the SharePoint farm. Yeah. So you're saying kind of like either directly calling REST APIs or REST using... REST API or the CSM APIs. And, yeah. and more and more, obviously, if we think about the future of SharePoint, it's, it is really on the REST APIs. Right. Uh, well, at the same time, when you write a, let's say, C-sharp code in a provider-hosted application towards the REST APIs, it's much more... How would I put it? Uh, you need to write more plumbing yeah. compared to the client-side object model. Right. But then um, shipping the client-side object model uh, is also a, how would I put it, there's always delays. Yeah. So pushing out new APIs in the RESTful side yeah. uh, is faster. Right. And that's really the, the more the direction where we're heading in the engineering as well. Okay. So, so, so you're saying is if you're trying to keep up with the latest, greatest APIs as they exist on SharePoint, then the REST API is going to get mm. you there quicker than you would do if you're ready for the see some SDKs. Correct, absolutely. And yeah. it would absolutely be helpful if we would do a proper documentation on RESTful APS as well, which yeah. 
is a challenge to yeah. keep up with all of the innovation, what's coming on. And, and also, I, I think from my perspective, if you think about the broader strategy of the Microsoft Graph, for instance, sure. you know, we've talked about the fact that Outlook are already in it with Mail Calendar contacts and OneDrive, which is the same engineering team as SharePoint, have got the drive in there. Sure. The Office Graph, which is what drives Delve, is in there as well as Groups and, yeah. and so forth. You know, it won't be long before we see SharePoint in there as well. Sure. And I think what we're seeing as a pattern here is is that developers are more kind of comfortable with calling REST APIs direct directly as a whole once they've got the auth kind of nailed True. in terms True. of the access the timing token. Is, <clears throat> right. can be challenging. But yeah, but once you've got after the auth hurdle, then just calling REST, just building those URLs seems True. to be the way that developers feel comfortable with. True. I think part of it is people like to feel like they're in control and don't know what the SDK does. Now, we will have an SDK for the Microsoft Graph yep. um, for V1. Soon. It's yep. very soon coming out. The, Our preview is coming out pretty soon. Right. But um, again, in that instance, like once that's out, that'll just be automatically generated against True. the Graph metadata. But it is interesting to see that we're seeing, especially on the client side, JavaScript world, that they're just more than happy just to call REST and get the JSON response packet back True. and handle it in whatever framework they're using. But that's more natural for the client side, right? Correct, yeah. Whereas on the server side, people are more comfortable with SDKs True. and so forth. True. Yeah. And so in the samples on PMP, what you're using CSOM everywhere, or is it kind of a combo of both? Well, it's it's maturity right now. Still, it's CSOM, no doubt. We, yeah. we And we do acknowledge that we do have way too many samples which are showing relatively simple stuff as well. So we're in the process of consolidation. Uh, as an example, there's like, what is it, 40 different SharePoint CSOM samples showing a really small stuff and not using the right uh, UI fabric. It's using the old Chrome stuff and all of that stuff. And we need to get all of that cleaned. Right. So we're in the progress of doing a consolidation on the samples, and also that will then clean up, let's say, some space for the other samples as well. Right, right, right. right. Because the, the PNP is not really about just about SharePoint. We really want to target the other technologies as well. Yeah. But obviously getting there requires resources, and resources means time and people and yep. contributions. But ultimately, right now, we're really looking into contributions from a community site around the non-SharePoint stuff as well, because we want to build that uh, better and better. And so the PMP team, like you're kind of this foresight on this. You've led this. Steve Walker's been in there as well. I've been there a little bit. But Janssen's been in there. Yeah. Frank Morasco. There's a bunch of internal people. There's all these community people. True. Paolo and Erwin that have kind of been contributing too. Yeah. Are you looking for other contributors as part of PMP? Absolutely. Absolutely. The long-term vision, actually, with PMP is really to grow. Well, one of the fundamental thinking of PNB is that it's not about Microsoft showing samples for the community. It's about community showing actually stuff for Microsoft. So really having a, a channel for those people who don't necessarily want to publish their own stuff using their blog posts right. and, and stuff to still share for the other people in the community. And get more visibility. And get more visibility because yeah, yeah. it's a win-win essentially for both. Right. Microsoft will understand what the community is building and then the, the people who are contributing are getting visibility as well. Right, right, right. And that's really the, the thinking around the PNP is really build a community and, and have a tool and a channel to share all of the learnings. Yeah. Rather than people who sit in the Redmond within their offices uh, on Monday morning and think about what would I write now, right now? What would be a cool sample? Yeah. Which is fine to get people excited, but that's not necessarily real life. Yeah, we've seen some really creative ones. I was actually, so Tech Ready here is an internal conference where there's premier field engineers and support escalation engineers and kind of solution solution specialists and technical specialists and I heard a new one today account technical specialists like there's all sorts of people from the field here yeah 
and DX as well, which is a big yeah. part about our broad width developer evangelism and um, also kind of direct partner relationships of getting people through the store so that our consumers can benefit from it. One of the DX guys, Sebastian, who I've talked to um, on the show before, he built the Babylon JS 3D sample that kind of is in Excel and like animates basically coordinates that are in an Excel spreadsheet uh, in a in a content add-in in Excel. And he showed me a new sample he's been playing with, which was um, a Windows 10 sample, um, which he showed me on his phone. I was really impressed with Windows. It's the first time I've seen Windows Phone 10 on a device. And then he showed it to me on his Surface as well. And it uses the Microsoft Graph to go and fetch a bunch of data, like your calendar. And then it shows you um, attendees that are in that meeting. But then what you can also do is go and drill in using Office Graph and go, okay, what are the documents that people in that meeting have all collaborated on? Cool. So, like, you know, as you're running to the meeting, you can kind of go, okay, uh, this is the pre-reading or yeah. so forth. or And what documents are trending around that group of people too. Yeah. So it's a really good way of, like, showing how you can have a quick, like, uh, snack app to have a cheesy term for this, but that highlights the power of those APIs to make a really quick thing that you can just open on your phone or, you know, on Windows 10 as an app as well, yeah. which is really neat. Yeah. And so I said to him, like, you know, you should go and speak to Vesta and get that in there. And I think the big thing about doing this particular show was to kind of highlight that it isn't just SharePoint. And just because Vesta is kind of like, if I chop your arm off right now, I think you'd like bleed blood of SharePoint sure. blue yeah, that's true. and not Office Orange. And and so, you know, whether it's the Microsoft graph or APIs, whether it's Office add-ins in yeah. terms of Word, PowerPoint, Excel, Outlook, or whether it's SharePoint, like that's, you know, those are the caveat areas that we're really focusing on true. in PMP right true. now. And, and then we're releasing, well, every single month we do the monthly community calls. We're, we're calling out these people, getting visibility in the dev.office.com, uh, asking people to do demos in a community call, even though our last actually community call recording completely failed and uh, that's oh, one no. of the things yeah you're dog footing new skype versions and Oops. then it's completely crashed uh, which is horrible and uh, next time we'll we'll have multiple sometimes it's recording. handy when you're going to get out of a meeting and oh it's skype crash yeah that's Sorry, true can't be anything anymore. <laughs> hitting chat tunnel <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay, so so the so the the takeaway is if you if you have got code samples and you want lots of broad visibility, PMP is definitely a mechanism yes. avenue to do yes. that. The other side of it would be is do you have like this notion of you have ideas but you don't have time? Well, we do, uh, but we need to actually work on that thinking uh, still. So, so the whole point, well, well, we are collecting some of the ideas uh, in the in the GitHub, but we don't have a proper process for that one quite okay. yet. Uh, we so should like a, work like on a that. Bound, a PMP bounty list or whatever that yep. you can kind of just see, you know, oh, okay, there's this, there's this kind of high-level spec of what you want to build, and yep. if people want to start like learning and this is the easiest way for them to learn, then yep. that would be a great way of doing that it. That would be right? a great way of doing that. Right now, it's still, unfortunately, random samples, uh, yeah. to be fair. Uh, but really, many of these random samples are thought to be a stepping stones as well. Because one of the fundamental thinking within the, this time of the PNP, if you think about the classic SharePoint patterns and practices, that mm-hmm. was completely different thinking. Yeah. Now what we want to do is, is show also simple patterns and simple examples how to get there mm-hmm. so you have a stepping stones so it's not like everything or every single solution or sample is a super complex really fine-tuned and polished that's not what the, the purpose is it's more around making sure that people understand the concepts uh, and get there so they have a stepping stones for the actual uh, content and, and we've been talking as well, I mean, and it's quite nice that we can be this open with it, but we've been talking about how that aligns with what we're doing with the training content that I own from a PMG perspective and how kind of we can start cross-promoting there so that people are aware of PMP. 
So and, and another good example of that kind of contributing and the, the bounty aspect uh, has been the partner pack. So okay. that's been, I mean, my interpretation is that that's you bundling uh, a set of scenarios together that are easy for a, a service integrator or a partner or even an internal customer that wants to kind of leverage that. Sure. Um, and sure. what's the intent there? Like, is that going to be the only one you do or are there going to be other ones that you do as well? Well, the idea is actually the, the setup of reusable modules and components. So the PMP Partner Pack, you could actually say that it's a starter kit. Uh, it shows how to build, uh, for example, the site provisioning and branding solutions in the enterprise way using actually the Azure ADS, the authorization uh, model. And then you have for example, capabilities of saving site as a template, even though it's not a site template, it's the new age remote template, right. uh, which is the, the preferred and recommended way to do this stuff in a SharePoint. We're really looking into starting repackaging modules and components. Uh, first, obviously, polishing this particular partner back slightly more, but then concentrating on the governance jobs and, and uh, well, the site provisioning, branding, and SharePoint side have been a big one. Uh, some other stuff, obviously, outside of the SharePoint would be interesting to start building as well. Yeah. But having a something which people can pull down and start using. good example in the SharePoint side has been the, the BNP core component which is low-level abstraction uh, or in increases the abstraction of the season. Yeah. And then the PMP partner pack has been built on top of it. Right. Uh, so you can actually pull down the code. You can do some mod modification after that. It's ready to go, for example, for any customer's printing. And, and so with that aspect of like kind of those layers, I guess, if you peel the onion, it kind of proves the usage of the core pack like as you're building out those scenarios you're adding things to the core and sure. managing those and they're in separate repos so that you are kind of isolated yes. right so yes. from a patents and practice perspective that just kind of set the separation of the concerns you've got different people like kind of looking after these different things people and and then with one version then carefully as well so yeah. and we don't we don't want to have a master huge repo as well yeah. even though we do uh, the PMP repo is relatively big right now but then all of this repackaged uh, stuff like PowerShell core component PMP partner pack are in their own repos so we're able to actually version them uh, individually and release the new stuff and new information uh, with them yeah now we've, we've got a, a big sample coming or being updated at the moment called the property manager which yep. is Right now, it kind of not relates to PNP, but it's along the same kind of purposes, and that's kind of something where we want to like work work better internally on kind of getting that hero demo together. And I think having more of those larger hero demos that are kind of driven by the PNP and community led, I think there's a lot of value in people being able to pick apart a scenario and seeing kind of the architecture and the layers there, sure. and, and seeing oh wow, that's calling this API and that API, sure. and so they can go from one in the section which is like documentation of here is this endpoint and these are the functions underneath to a whole extreme of this is a full fledged demo that you can get running in a tenant and then pick the bones of it, to see exactly what it's calling and, under the hood. And that's probably one of the key differences within the PNP related on MSDN because when I think about traditional MSDN, it's around this is an API, this right, is how you it's call reference it. documentation. Exactly. It doesn't tell you what you can build with it. Right. Uh, and that's what we mean. And also, it doesn't tell you recommendation. It tells you you can do use X and Y or C. Right, it doesn't yeah. actually it doesn't tell you. doesn't go, and here's a great code sample that does blah. Exactly. And, and so, part of that journey that the engineering team are on right now with the program managers is that if you look at Office JS, they're actually writing that spec in GitHub, True. and um, the, cool. and it, actually in a branch is the next release, and you can compare the current branch to the master, which is the public stuff, and see like what the differences are in the APIs yeah. based on that spec. Uh, the feedback I've had is that 
we don't want the reference docs not to have context of what else is out there. So we want to be able to link to the training videos that we have, the yeah. step-by-step hands-on labs that we have, the PMP content we have for the samples, that aspect of the, where things are going as well. And we realize there is fragmentation right now on True. knowing where these things are, and we're going to try and glue them together in each of the different areas so it's more obvious for people when they kind of come in. True, true. And then having the, the right, let's say, centralized information in dev.office.com as yeah. well. So having a, a tool where you can go and find the relevant samples regardless whoever has contributed them. So having them visibility through the dev.office.com really from a code sample and solution search perspective as well. Yeah, okay. And then I guess on a completely other note, um, have you bought the Rosetta Stone yet? Um, not yet, not yet. Uh, I, I I did heard that there's a great new add-on on the Rosetta Stone uh, related on Finglish to English. Yeah, so. it's, uh, it's a novel. I've actually purchased it so I can translate your emails. Thank you. We run it across as an automated build as part of GitHub now. It's great. Yeah. Uh, well, we should actually add it in a Skype as well, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll, we'll have you in the keynote speaking in Finglish. Yeah. And it'll come up in English afterwards. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll roll that ad again because we've used it before in another podcast, but we'll roll that ad again just for people who didn't listen to it in the previous show. Rosetta Stone is the gold standard in language training. It's fast, easy, and it's your key to opening doors to new experiences. With Rosetta Stone, you can learn at your own pace in the privacy of your own home. Rosetta Stone teaches you language the way you learn naturally, through conversation. With Rosetta Stone Finglish, you can learn great conversational phrases such as... This is one of the demos, uh, one of the codes, uh, one of the samples. So we have the SharePoint, the Office 365. Good. Uh, exactly, exactly. So order Rosetta Stone Finglish today and get ready to pack your bags. Because soon, you'll be saying... How do I authenticate? Yeah, so Richard came up with that ad. We've got a list of ads we're doing, but we get really busy, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to make it the, the, the script funny enough to actually record it, and we're really, really busy at the minute, so we haven't done another one. But we have a few in the can that we're going to get going, and um, there's a few more um, prank calls that people are requesting, and I'm like, wow, you guys love the prank calls. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to bring those back, but we're, we're giving it enough gaps so people don't expect them when they get the phone true, calls. True. We don't want people on the defense, because we've got some people real good, and we want to make sure we get some others in the same light. I, I still love the Todd Paczynski yeah. prank call. That's like, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, they were all good sports. So after this week, are you traveling much, or are you kind of just heads down on the PMP? Well, I, I try to minimize my travel nowadays. I have a four-year-old kid at home, so yeah. that's always a different... Uh, well, the life changes when you're having kids. Yeah, good uh, on you. So, but I'm, I'm flying back home. There will, there will be a few conferences in springtime, yeah. and few, there will be a dev kitchen in Europe as well and a few other stuff so yes they will be traveling but not as much as I used and to do you did a hackathon recently as well I saw the trip report for that can yeah, you well, share a little bit around that well that was kind of a, that was actually a community driven hackathon in Helsinki named Hell Hack which is pretty <laughs> cool <laughs> <laughs> but it's a hell. Right. So. <laughs> I'm sure it's not hell there. I'm sure yeah. it's very nice. But that was pretty decent. We had uh, like 25 people attending. Some of the people were there as an audience, just checking out how things are actually oh, going on. Interestingly, some of the people were actually doing development, and there was people doing coming to the hackathon first time, never heard about office development with Ubuntu Linux machines, yeah, and then trying Been to there. figure out that how do you actually make this thing work? Yeah, yeah, and explaining the models, explaining the craft 
have explaining uh, what you can establish. And the, the guys did amazing job. It was only for four hours. Well, sure. Really short. Uh, it was it was more a test. Uh, yeah. And then the next time it will be the full weekend. But the, the winner team actually built a Bebel smartwatch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, integration to OneNotes in using the craft. Wow, nice. And that's pretty cool yeah, in three hours. Four, really? Yeah. That's impressive. That's forced, okay. yeah. Yeah, we've seen a few things like that recently. A lot of the IoT stuff's coming through. Yeah. Uh, I know who's done... Oh, actually, CJ has done a, a light strip that uses, a, I think it's a Raspberry Pi... And he's using Calendar API to actually show when he's free and busy and that kind of thing. And I know he does it with his build server too. But there seems to be an awful lot of IoT at this event too. True, true. Um, I think as we get to our larger public events like Build, you'll see a lot more of that coming through um, in announcements and press releases. So um, it's fascinating. And I know like there's been low attendance because uh, to our sessions because people like all the devices and the gadgets and the gizmos, right? True. So I think we need to get some like low-flying drones in here that kind of like read out OneDrive documents or... Out loud, in Finglish. In, in right. Finglish, <laughs> using the new Rosetta Stone, Stone app to try and pull some people into our sessions. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, we're definitely not the cool kids anymore. That's true, that's true. Well, um, look, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, and, and thanks for doing what you're doing. Absolutely, um, thanks for having me. Sharing is caring, Absolutely. as as we all know. <laughs> and as I say, I really encourage you guys um, to kind of in- incorporate PMP into your life. And, and from a career perspective, it's great to kind of be part of it and sharing the knowledge with everybody. And and it's a great way to learn as well. True, and, and we're trying to align everything what we do in PMP, our we're trying to align that to the future direction, even though every now and then we can't actually tell what's going to happen. So we've been more and more, for example, right now, concentrating on the client-side development stuff because that is the future within the SharePoint side as well. And all of the, it's kind of a gradual journey, which we're trying to help the community to go through. Cool. So. All right, well, enjoy the rest of your week here. You don't look too jet-lagged. I'm pretty impressed. That's cool. Usually it's me that goes to these events jet-lagged, and they're like, God, Jeremy, you look terrible. It's like, yeah, it's because I'm 12 hours behind on time zones. and I've done this so many times. Burning of the candle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You're exactly. using, like, those special eye creams, aren't you? I know. <laughs> Hiding your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> All right, enjoy the rest of your week, dude. Sounds good. Sounds Cheers. good. Jack, Jeremy. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one-year, three developer tenant to stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office365devpodcastyam. Or you can follow us on OfficeDev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding. 